Hey, did you hear about that new angel perfume? No, what perfume? They say it's heaven sent. <laughs> it's Schmanners. Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Uh, that really tickled me. That yeah. joke. It was it was your your sly little smile at the end. Thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna have a weird energy for this one because I'm all uh all befuddled by my allergies. <laughs> uh I just have been feeling so tired the last couple of days. Yeah, so. we really seem to like go in waves, don't yeah. we? Just as a family. We're like yeah. in a round of yeah. of allergies. And speaking of allergies, this week we're talking about perfumes. And clones. Indeed. There are some that are allergy-inducing. There's some people who are allergic to different scents. You have the asthma. Is it, <laughs> I do does, have asthma. Does it affect you? Do perfume? Is that a uh, thing? Really, affect- really strong scents. Yeah. Like, I cannot go into a candle store. Yeah? Too much. I can't go into a candle store. I buy all of them. <laughs> I mean, and I also can't go into those those hip clothing places. That uh, yeah, you're, like your Abercrombie's and your yeah, mm-hmm. And you can't jump on a uh, bouncy house. Well, but that, yes, that is because of my asthma, but it's not because of the bouncy house smelling funny. I know. I thought we were just listing things oh. you can't do because of asthma. Right. Uh, and you know, Sydney, our sister-in-law, Sydney, she said that uh, pregnancy really made her her nose so like so sensitive that she still can't even really handle smells like that like you, colognes it's very interesting to me and i'm sure we'll talk about this but i would like to take a second to talk about the idea of cologne and perfume right mm-hmm. because i've been thinking about it a lot as we've been preparing for this episode and we got a lot of questions about it which we'll get to at the end but i've been thinking about it as like an accessory, right? We've done episodes sure. about like handkerchiefs and, you know, hats and canes and that kind of thing. And it seems to me that like, that is the kind of category that colognes and perfumes fall into. Mm-hmm. For me, is very similar to like uh, jewelry or pocket squares yeah. or something like that. Well, and, and you don't really wear perfume or cologne because you're all of your... Your various hair things are all scented, right? This is very true. It also is a matter of like... I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> um, I would say it feels different. There's something to me that uh, a a cologne perfume feels very specifically fancy to me. Sure, and I think that that's a personal thing. But I also wonder how much of like how much is a generational thing. And I was thinking about this the other day, uh-huh. and this is just a theory that occurred to me based on nothing but logic. That back when it was probably a lot harder to get like hot water, Hmm. right? Clones and perfumes were a lot more prevalent because you might have to go a long time without bathing, right? Yeah, yeah. And so- That tracks. I think it is a pretty common experience now to have a great a grandparent or even great-grandparent who wears too much perfume or cologne. And I wonder if that is a learned behavior Hmm. from a time where the perfume or cologne was necessary 
uh, as part of of you know your hygiene routine and not just as a uh, an accessory. Sure, I don't know if our grandparents were that old. Because like you're talking about you, hot water and indoor plumbing and stuff. I don't know what day it is, so okay. I, I have no right. idea. Um, my my grandmother did wear a musky perfume. Oh, yeah. She did. Um, and she was always trying to buy us like perfume sets and stuff, you know, like the stuff that you get in like like a box set from yeah. like TJ Maxx or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kohl's. Um, but I, growing up, only either wore just like scented deodorant or my mom bought me a little bottle of Clinique Happy. Yeah. It's a very oh, yeah. It's a very light fragrance. <laughs> I would say probably Clinique Cabby and uh, Curve oh, were the yeah. scents of, of my youth. Right. Yeah. Did you ever delve into Axe body spray? Um, I dabbled. <laughs> uh, I was of the appropriate age. I would have been, you know, in 95, I would have been 12. Right. Um, yeah. And so that's the thing is a lot of those products too, and let's just get out of the way here, right? A lot of products... Uh, as far as like heavily scented stuff like that is basically sold to people, mostly youths, uh, by shaming them about any natural smell one's body exactly. might produce ever. Um, that is why I like to think of it more as an accessory mm -hmm. of like, I would like to wear this, right? There's a difference between like wearing a necklace because you think it's pretty and wearing a necklace because you're trying to cover up your neck, right? <laughs> sure. And I think that, that that's the difference is I think it should be like a, I choose to wear this because mm -hmm. I think that the smell complements, you know, what I'm going for rather than if I'm not wearing this, how could I go out? Yeah. Um, I have a perfume that I wear only rarely occasionally when we would before before the times of now yes when we would go before out the now times the before, long ago yes, yes the long ago back in the long ago yeah uh, i would put on um some perfume to to go out to dine um and the reason that i picked that perfume is because it's very similar to the perfume my mother would wear when she would go out on a date with my dad and so that that sense of we, I'm a grown up and I'm going out and I'm Ooh, la, la. I'm so fancy. Waka 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 is, is really how it makes waka waka. Yeah, you know, Fozzie Bear smells great. No, I bet that puppet smells terrible. <laughs> it really makes it feel real. You yeah. know, yeah. Like, anyway. That's what I'm saying. An yeah. Accessory, right? An accessory. So first, I'd like to say, well, not first. That was a long. That was a long intro. That was but all the intro. Yeah. Next. Next. I would like to say thank you to Alexis R. for suggesting this topic. Now, Alexis uh, suggested this topic way back in September, and I think that this is a good uh, example of we are reading your suggestions. We are putting them on a schedule, and we will get to them. Do not fear. So how old is perfume? And I bet the answer is really, really old. Really, really Really old. Because I know, like, ancient Egypt, they were doing scented oils and stuff. Oh, absolutely. But even, like, before that, okay, like, I think that some form of perfume has been around basically since people realized they had body odor. Right. You got to think that there was a time, like, it didn't take much. You probably had to think, like, this flower smells good. Go rub it on me. Yeah. Right? Like, that was probably <laughs> it. Yeah. I bet that even before that... I bet that as far as like camouflaging your scent yeah. to hunt, 
I bet even before that, the idea of like, I am going to change the way that I smell using things that I found mm -hmm. in nature. So it's not to be discovered. Right. I bet like that was like kind of the, and they were like, well, if I can smell like the bad parts of nature, I can smell like the good parts of nature too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, like, I mean, like a lot of things, the first recording of a perfume uh, goes back to the second millennium BCE in Mesopotamia. Of course. Of course. We have found an ancient Babylonian cuneiform tablet, uh, which is like a hieroglyphics type thing. Yeah. Uh, hieroglyphics. Sorry. I wasn't going to say anything. I was letting it go. Oh, man. Yeah. Hey, listen. We're both pretty tired. <laughs> a woman named Tapudi is okay. mentioned. Uh, not only is Tapudi a pretty high up palace official, but she's credited as one of the first chemists in history. Oh, Okay. Uh, Tapudi was renowned for her distillation of flowers, oil, and calamus, uh, which are river reeds similar to cattails. Is that like calamine lotion? Is no, that, no, I, I okay. think it's different. I think different it's different. Okay. Um, she would distill these ingredients, I mean, that had different different aromas, um, and then filter them in a still several times before she was able to create her desired scent. Uh, not only does t this tablet give Tapudi uh, praise for her fragrance work, this is like the record the, of, of chemistry that right. we have. That's amazing, too, to, to think about filtering it that many times and everything so that it, it is a little more shelf-stable and a little bit not like just, there's some flower petals rotting away in there. You know yep, what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. Um, and, I mean, like you said, these early perfumes, very popular. Um, a lot of the the countries to go straight into the foray, uh, Middle East, India, China, and it would have looked a lot different than it does today. They were kind of like resins or mm. oils. Yeah. So, like, we think of something that you could spray or dab, but these were like, I mean, like I said, like resins. That's kind of sticky. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, I think if I'm, I'm trying to picture correctly, but I, I can't remember if it was Rome or Greek, but basically, like, you would take baths in this oil mm -hmm. and they would basically just pour it on you and then they had kind of it was almost shaped like a scythe right that curves, like scrape like, it off they would scrape that oil off you and that was like your bath you right know I mean? um but actually people didn't really put these things on their bodies uh like i'm talking the oils and resins um in this time period i also have an image of the resin being on like on top of the wig right I mean, so maybe. i'm trying to remember like like i said listen I don't know what day it is. History all runs together. <laughs> but I feel like that was a thing. But at this time in history, it was more like um, like a a wax warmer or okay. a uh, or incense, right? This is what I'm saying. Is I have this image of like an, almost like a wax incensey thing, like affixed to the top of the head, and it like melting down hmm. the face. I feel like that's something interesting. Okay. Um, and this is actually where we get the word perfume from. It has a Latin root of per. Fuum. For smelling? Through the smoke. Okay, I wasn't even close. Nope. Okay. Mm -mm. Okay. Um, so this perfume, this kind of like burn it in the room and the whole room smells great instead of put it on the person, really like took off. And so this is the kind of thing when we think about uh, the ancient Egyptians and the Mesopotamians and the, the Greeks and the Persians and all this stuff. Um, and then... This fragrant oil was great, you guys. It was great. It was great. But people decided to start to refine the distillation process so right. that you just you just didn't have to, like, 
walk into a perfumed room. You could perfume things and people in different ways. Man, I bet it was overpowering, right? Perhaps. Like, if you're talking about, like, if you've ever been in a room where someone has been burning a lot of incense, mm-hmm. right? It can be, uh, what's the word, like, discombobulating, right? It feels like, kind of heavy, right? right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, the air is heavy. You get, it's, it's for effect, usually, mm-hmm. not just like, well, this will fade into the background. Um, so, in the ninth century, an Arab chemist and philosopher named Al-Kindi wrote the book of chemistry of perfume and distillations. Okay. Which was an entire, like we talked about in our in our last episode, this was not just a recipe book. It had... It was how to find the right celebrity representation for your <laughs> scent. No, it was uh, beauty products and medicines oh. and perfumes and salves and aromatic waters and things like that. So okay. it was it was a large tome. This is where you start to see the the kind of like utensils for perfuming. Do you do you know what I'm saying? If, like an atomizer? Mm, no, not quite. The alembic. So that's the pot with the long neck. And then like sometimes it has like a long beak that drips into a smaller vessel. Sure. No, you don't? No. I can picture it in my mind's eye. I see it in my in my head from uh, Sword in the Stone in Merlin's hut. Okay. Okay. Anyway. And then further on in history, another big perfumer was a Persian chemist named Ibn Sina. Okay. And this is this is where what you were talking about comes into play. These resins, these oils, they were strong, right? So Ibn Sina found a way to, like, make a gentler scent, like a delicate thing. Now what we think of more of, like, the regular perfumes that we smell, um, not the really pungent ones. Mm. Dense, I would say. Dense. Uh, Again, this involved different raw ingredients, different parts, instead of maybe not the oils of the flower, maybe another uh, liquid part of the flower or whatever. Um, More distillation. So distill, 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 distill. And then diffuse, I imagine, Yes, indeed. And we credit Ibicina for rose water. Oh, rose water is a tough one. It is. Like that from Great British Bake Off. Well, I mean, for our noses today, <laughs> it might be quite pungent, but at the time, it was like a barely there scent. I think it's only, I only think of it that way because in Great British Bake Off, like it is so floral. Right. That adding it to a thing, if you even use just a little bit too much, you make your uh, baked good taste like flour or like a flour mm-hmm. instead of like a uh, sweet treat. Uh, the perfume craze continues to, you know, pop up here and there and here and there. But it really took a firm foothold in Europe thanks to Catherine de' Medici. Okay. I was going to guess that. Honestly, I really Were was. you really? Yeah. I've just been thinking about the Medicis lately, you know? All right. Uh, Cath- I don't know why. <laughs> why have I been thinking? What's wrong with me? Okay, go on. You sure you're done? I don't. <laughs> All right. Okay, uh, so much so that she even brought her own perfumer to the court of Henry mm. II, uh, René de Florentine. Of course. Um, and this is really fun. I love it when Alex puts these things in because <laughs> he was so important 
to not only like just a buddy of Catherine's, but also to her status as the new queen that his room was like a closet in her room. So no one could steal the recipes that he was concocting uh, on his way to her room. I will say that if I could open a closet door in my room and just like, Renee, what am I going to smell like? Today, like that'd be very exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Or even if it's just like, Renee, what shoes do you think I should wear? That'd be nice. <laughs> so enter in King Louis the Fourteenth. Oh, I'm not surprised that that fool was into this. He's high fashion. He loved good smelling stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is appropriate because Versailles is very famous for being stinky. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, I mean, they didn't have indoor plumbing. Ah. Uh, people wore the same clothing for a very long time. A lot of layers, a lot of sweating, I bet. Right. Um, there were, I mean, obviously food smells to contend with, body odor. Again, the bathing thing, they didn't do a lot of that. Um, and so he and was... If you've ever seen it, so my, I don't know what period we're in here, but I think this was very prevalent in like the 1600s. Mm-hmm. An orange with clothes stuck in it. Yep. And people would just like carry it around to I believe, smell. isn't that called a nosegay? I think so. And it's just like to smell instead of smelling anything else. You're just like holding it up to your face. Yeah. Uh, His signature scent was a blend of aloe wood, musk, rose water, spices, and orange flower. Mm. Perfumes at this time were basically, you know, (laughs) just like the cavemen Mm. used to kind of disguise yourself. Right. But here's the thing, right? They filled everything so much with all of this perfume. We're talking like people washed their clothes in it. It was on any like upholstery, furniture, like people would just kind of like have like a boiling pot of smelly, fragrant water running places. And it became kind of like a calling card for the aristocracy like all I could think though too is they were drinking some really thick wine at that point too, thick yeah. booze. I bet people were just, uh, let's say, being sick <laughs> left and right with that overpowering scent and all of that rich food and drink. Yep, gross. Yep. Um, it became a real status symbol, especially jasmine flower which you don't get a lot of scent from. So you have to use a lot of it and it has to be distilled down really far. And that was like something where you could tell someone's like, ooh, they're doing really well this year by how they smelled of jasmine. Listen, I can't wait to hear more about this smelly stuff. But first, how about a thank you note for our sponsors? All right. Hey, folks, this week's Schmanners wants to write a thank you note to Quip. Quip delivers fresh brush heads, floss, toothpaste, and now gum in a refillable, travel-friendly dispenser. If you haven't already checked out Quip, what are you waiting for? It has changed the way our house and a lot of houses think about oral care. And if you go to getquip.com slash right now, you can get a free plastic dispenser with any refill plan. Trust me, you're going to want to get that plastic dispenser. I know that that's not like a sexy way to describe it or whatever, but it's a gum dispenser that feels cool to use, that looks cool to use, and the gum is amazing and not just delicious, but actually good for your teeth. We enjoy it. We love the uh, mouthwash and the mouthwash dispenser. It's also cool. It all has this kind of sleek design. I really enjoy it. And that's a free dispenser 
at getquip.com slash schmanners, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash schmanners. You can also find the Quip electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and more in the oral care aisle at your local Walmart. Quip, the good habits company. We also want to tell you about Sunbasket. You know, sometimes it can get a little repetitive. You know, maybe you're having the same, what, frozen pizza? Every every night, every two nights, whatever, right? Well, that's why you need to check out Sunbasket because Sunbasket has their new fresh and ready meal delivery. Uh, it's restaurant quality food packaged up, delivered to your home, and ready to heat and eat. You can choose from delicious recipes like shrimp paella made with steamed shrimp, flavor-packed rice, and bright bell pepper. Uh, you can do pepperdell with wilted spinach, sweet peas, and fresh ricotta, and so many more. You're getting five-star food starting only at $8.99 per meal. Spice up lunch or dinner at home without burning your wallet. Sunbasket is offering $90 off your first four deliveries, including free shipping on the first box when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash schmanners and enter promo code schmanners at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash schmanners and enter promo code schmanners at checkout for $90 off your first four deliveries and free shipping on your first box. Sunbasket.com slash schmanners and enter promo code schmanners. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is a podcast. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. That thing is not my daughter. And I want you to tell me there's a show where the hosts don't just report on French science and spirituality, but take part themselves. Well, there is, and it's Ono, Ross, and Carrie on Maximum Fun. This year, we actually became certified exorcists. So yes, Carrie and I can help your daughter. Or we can just talk about it on the show. Ono, Ross, and Carrie on MaximumFun.org. All right, so where were we? Uh, Queen Victoria. I okay, yes, is I've about, heard of, yeah, is about I've heard to enter her. the yeah. scene. In the 1800s, right before her uh, her reign, perfume had become more widely available thanks to more materials, thanks to the uh, pillaging and stealing of the East India Company. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, right. Um, but as things do. When Victoria comes into power, um, she changes all the rules. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about how she had these kind of strict rules about modesty and ladylike and gentlemanly behavior. And this is when gender s- separation begins within, like, the kind of confines we think it's, of of gender. It's really where it really starts firming up. Right. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, and so since, like... Uh, lavender, jasmine, bergamot—these very like light senses. Is were it coming bergamot in. or bergamot? I thought it was bergamot. I honestly don't know. Okay. Anyway, um, so in the Victorian era, you were expected to smell like an English garden. Uh, I imagine dudes were a lot more like tobacco smoke and you know were the scent of the chafing cream. I mean, you're not wrong because although now there are products that mimic that, perfume started to be relegated strictly to those ladies. Ah. So, but this is what I'm saying. It's like, in, as is the case, 
I'm willing to bet that what it was is like, we're going to relegate this for ladies. And then someone said, yeah, but now we're not making any money off of dudes. And they said like, ah, we'll make aftershave and mm-hmm. we'll make yeah. ode to toilets and stuff for men to use. Perfect. Great. Right. Um, and But really, the, like the scientific advances of this period, like, you know, the Industrial Revolution, are made with synthetic compounds, right? So now even more widely available. And it was... Uh, it created scents that were more layered and had notes. Yeah, and, and wasn't specifically like just like you smell like this. It exactly. wasn't just like you either smell like this flower or this flower. Or this. It was more just like a specific combination of the, or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of like reimagining of what perfume could smell like uh, made it more accessible, made it more, um, you know, just kind of a day-to-day thing. Whereas before we talked about how really if you were rich, you could smell nice. Right. Well, nice. You could you smell, smell. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not like mud and B.O. <laughs> you could smell different. <laughs> you could smell different, yeah. Um, and so there was, you know, the, the new fashions, Art Nouveau, cultural shifts that would allow people for uh, leisure time. And this is where perfume really starts diversifying across, really, the continents, all of them. Is that the world? Is that what I'm saying? Sure. No. I think I'm just saying, like... Like the European-influenced world? Yes, the okay. European-influenced world. Here is, again, some consumerism that entered into it as the times changed, like say, in the 1920s when women were bobbing their hair and dancing the Charleston. Yeah. Um, the Dark Ages. Just say it. <laughs> the, the bad times. Coco Chanel released the iconic Chanel Number no. 5. I'm yeah. sure that you have smelled it. And Lou Bega released Mambo Number no. 5. Nope. Is it equally important? Mm-mm. Here we go. Uh, now in the 21st century, we see a sort of drift for, like, genderless sense, uh-huh. which is great. I think anybody should wear anything that they like. I also think that there has been a, a sort of, and this is, you know, I'm out of touch of the clone perfume game, but a drift towards like the simpler, you know, this isn't like an, a huge explosion of scent so much as it is like a slow burn of scent. You know what I mean? Like it's more like a, a, a smell of pine and, mm-hmm. you know, like the four rather than just like who knows what this combination is, but it smells good. Like, that's the thing about, yeah. like, Curve. If you were around in, like, the 90s and the early 2000s, the thing is it didn't smell like anything except yeah. the perfume cologne that you're putting on. And I right. think that there's been a more of a movement now that, once again, you can get back to that, like, this smell. This has notes of this and this and this. And you can smell it when you use it. Exactly. Um, so I want to go through some perfume etiquette now. Well, I'll tell you what. How okay. about... We do that, but we also do some questions. Okay. Okay, first, this is from Alex. Alex asks, how do you find the right fragrance for you, and what is the correct way to wear it? Here's what I know about, like, spraying mm-hmm. stuff, and I learned it from the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Spray, sachet, walk away. <laughs> and this is what that means. You spray it in the air in front of you, you walk through it, and you keep going, and that's it. That's how I learned to do it. I don't know if that's true or not. I know that there's like a dab behind the ears, mm-hmm. right? Is a way to do it. I think it is the level to which you uh, would like to smell of the thing, right? For me, spray, sachet, and walk away works great. Sure. Um, 
perfumists would say that you should rub it a single spritz um, onto the pulse points. So your, your, you know, uh, what is this? Wrist. (laughs) I'm pointing at it. Thank you. Behind your ears and behind your knees. Um, And that should make it so that it's it's pleasant but not overbearing. Um, Another tip that a perfumist will give is that you can actually put a little dab of petroleum jelly before you uh, apply your fragrance. It will help keep the scent on longer, which makes sense to me because, I mean, you just kind of like make it stickier, right? So it doesn't all evaporate at once. Well, because a lot of them are alcohol-based, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. alcohol evaporates very quickly. Um, as far as finding the right one, I, off the top of my head, I think there's like three ways. Uh, one is to uh, like find one out in the wild, someone will be wearing something that you like, mm-hmm. and say, excuse me, what, do, what is that cologne that you're wearing, right? Mm-hmm. The second one is to go to a place that has a cologne perfume counter yep. and sample a bunch of them until you find one that you like. Right. And the way that you do that is they usually have pieces of paper that you will lightly spritz, wave around and smell the air. Yeah. Not, don't put them on yourself because then at that point you're just stacking a bunch of different scents together and you're not going to get one. You might end up being overwhelmed and passing out. But two, <laughs> you're not going to get a clear representation of what you smell like. The third one is the Internet exists. So at this point, if there are like notes that you know you're looking for, if you're like, yeah, I really like the smell of like leather and bourbon, or mm-hmm. I really like the smell of like an autumn night or something, right? Right. I guarantee that you could Google and find, I think that there's a company, and they're not advertising with us, but named Hawthorne that does that, where like you take a quiz and you say what notes you're looking for and they'll oh, make sure. one for you. Yeah. I mean, bespoke perfumes are are definitely available if that's what you like. A talented perfumist can find exactly the right scent for you. Uh, let's see. Pip asks, what's a tactful way I can ask my coworker to dial it back on their cologne? Our employer has a clause about scents uh, and our dress code to be mindful of those with sensitivity, but I don't know how to enforce it without basically telling them, hey, you stink. I wouldn't say that. Just right, right off the bat. Pip, right. I'm going to just say, don't say, hey, you stink. Uh, secondly, this is something that we talk about a lot when it comes to workplace stuff. You probably have a supervisor or HR mm-hmm. or a manager. If it's in the dress code, this is why you should not go direct employee to employee and instead go to someone whose job it is to act as a mediator in these kinds of circumstances and say, hey, I would like right. to anonymously say I think they're wearing a little bit too much and I would like you to handle that for me. Thank you very much. If this is not at a workplace, I I think that there are a couple of things you can do. First, if you are not close enough, you know, your relationship, not in proximity, <laughs> but if your relationship is not such that you feel comfortable telling them, you might want to tone it down a little bit. Talk to someone who is closer to them and find out if like... If they think this person wears too much perfume as well, and if they would be willing to say something to them. And also we, we say, once again, a lot of like I and me terms, of mm-hmm, like instead mm-hmm. of saying you are wearing too much cologne, mm-hmm. say that I have some sensitivities and it is affecting my, uh, you know, allergies or sure. whatever, and would it be possible, right? So it's not that they have done something wrong, mm-hmm. right? It is that just uh, you are asking for the courtesy of consideration for like what you need, right? Right. Um, And if you are that close person, I think it's important to offer a solution instead of just like 
you you you're wearing too much perfume. It's making me ill. Right? Don't say that. Uh, you can say, I think you put a little too much on today. Here is a wet wipe to help you. Right. So I think we're say, we're talking about two different scenarios, right? right. Where yes. I think you're talking about like if you have an acquaintance who you think wears too much, right? Right. And I'm talking about like if you're in a workplace, right? So we're coming at this from two different directions. Yeah. I would not work walk through a coworker and say like, hey, here's a wet wipe, wet wipe Doug. <laughs> no, wipe no, off no, your no, Bora no. Bora. I was, so I was talking about if you are not close to that person, not in a workplace situation. Okay, great, yes. If you are not close to that person's in relationship, find someone who does have a close relationship and see if they can help you. If you are the person who has a close relationship with uh, the over-perfumer, offer a solution. Don't just say, this is bad and you're bad. You can say, I think you put a little too much on this morning. Here's a wet wipe. Yeah, and never uh, underestimate Sometimes you just move away from that person. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you would like to dial down your own perfume, uh, I might suggest either a wet wipe uh, because a tissue is not going to do it. It's into your skin. Or a little rubbing alcohol on a cotton pad will also take a lot of the smell away. Uh, this is from The Cleverest Girl. Uh, how on God's green earth do I respond to someone saying you sell nice without sounding unhinged? Okay. Um, first of all, I think it is important to address you always should lead with the object that you are complimenting and not the person. And then the person becomes the object. Right. right? I really enjoy that cologne versus you smell nice. Right. I like your cologne. Right. Uh, But I also think that I think that we kind of joked about this actually on this week's My Brother, My Brother and Me. But I think that like smell and taste feel oddly personal. Oh, definitely. Where like it wouldn't feel as weird to say like you have a beautiful voice. You would just like, oh, say thank you very much. I think it's proximity, right? right? You really need to get close enough to the person to taste it, but uh, like to uh, smell it, (laughs) to smell something. If somebody said like, hey, that's a great hat, you wouldn't be like, whoa, right? But now I think, you know, at the very least you say, oh, thanks. And you move along. Or you could say, oh, thank you. It's blah, blah, blah. And name the cologne. Or I think that's right? a great idea to put it back onto the actual, like, object so that you don't become the object. If someone says you smell nice, being like, I got it on Amazon or whatever, right? Um, along these same lines, Coco asks, how do you politely ask a stranger what perfume or cologne they are wearing without it being weird? I think that's it. You have to talk about the scent right. instead of the person. I also think rather than just saying, what cologne or perfume are you wearing? Because the answer might be, I'm not wearing any. It's very confusing. Say, I am smelling a, a really, like, I smell a really great perfume. Is that you? Like, or something along the line. Am I smelling your perfume? Something like that, right? Where, I don't know, that might be too careful. But. I, yeah, I, I think that. Do do try and make it about the perfume and not about the person. Yeah, and well, I can't stress this enough. We talk about this whenever it comes up. Don't say, I don't want to be weird, but... Yeah, that's the thing. that You just made it weird. That makes it weird. Excuse me, what is that cologne you're wearing? I'm really... I think it smells great. Or something along those lines, right? Like, mm-hmm. same as, like, that's a beautiful jacket. Wherever did you get it, right? Exactly. That, that wouldn't be a weird thing to ask. Uh, maybe if you said it like I just said it, like it is the 1800s. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> a little tail, a little whisk it. Um, 
Uh, this is from ask, at people asking why. What are your ideas on using different types of cologne or perfume for specific occasions? I, I love think, it. Yeah, I think it's great. Do it. Right? Like I said, accessory, man. You know, you wouldn't wear the same jewelry to everything. You wouldn't wear the same pocket square with everything. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, having that thing. All of this is about your experience, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've, I've talked before about, like, painting my nails or wearing makeup for a thing feels like... this sounds bad, but like getting ready for battle, Mm -hmm. right? Like when I used to do theater and, you know, you're getting into costume and you're putting on a stage makeup and that kind of thing. And so like when you're getting prepared for an event, it should be about your comfort and about your like excitement for the event and doing what makes you feel ready for it. So if you're going to an event and you're like, oh, I've got a lot of like reds on, I want to have kind of a smoky, fiery smell or like, oh, you know, I'm wearing a lot of blues today. So I want to have like kind of a eucalyptus like minty, cool kind of scent coming out. Like I think that's yeah. really cool, right? I'm seeing your eyes like kind of sparkles. I'm describing this. You're it's, loving it. It's, I'm imagining it in my mind's eye, and it smells wonderful. I know, right? What? My wait a second. <laughs> You're smelling it in your mind's nose. In my mind's nose. You die in your mind's nose. I get it. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining us <laughs> here in our mind's nose. Um, <laughs> Thank you to MaximumFun.org, our podcast home, uh, without whom, I don't know, we'd just kind of be leaving cassette tapes on street corners, hoping people find them. Thank you to Alex, our researcher, without whom we would not be able to make this. Thank you to the listener who uh, suggested this episode, whose name is Rachel? No, Alexis. Alexis. I mean, I wasn't even (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um... uh, Thank you to you for listening. Thank you, Teresa, for doing so much talking. Uh, and presenting, I, you know the word. You know I mean, what I do. You get it. Uh, who else do we thank? We always thank Brent Brentelfloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. We also thank Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art, and that is where we got all of these excellent queries uh, at Schmanner's Cast. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for our cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group Schmanner's Fanners. Go ahead and join that group if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans. And once again, please continue to submit topic suggestions. They are in the queue, I promise. Also, we love doing those idiom shows, so continue to submit your idioms, um, and you can email those to us, schmannerscast at gmail.com. I was thinking of a new segment I want to do on the next idiom one. If you have an idiom that you're pretty sure, like, a grandparent or a parent or somebody you grew up with made up, mm. you know, like, my parent always said this, I've never heard anyone else say it, send those to us because then we can see if anyone else has ever heard that <laughs> saying before. I think that would be great. So you can email that to us, too. Uh, and I think that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.